Hey, it's good to be back with you. Thank you for being with us. And as always, we pray we're a blessing to you. <clears throat> we're gonna be looking at James 1, 1 today and the whole sermon is gonna come out of that verse. And uh, we, uh, we pray it'll be a challenge to you. Let me read it to you. It says, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in dispersion, he said, greetings. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you help me to be a, a plain preacher, so plain that a child would understand me. Lord, I, I pray for any word of knowledge you were to give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If your Holy Spirit prompts me with it, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. And then, Lord, you look at all of us, everyone that's watching, listening. You see all of us, but you see me differently than anybody else because I'm a teacher and a preacher of your word. And uh, I, I know for me, there's a greater and a more strict judgment on my life and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach, amen. We're gonna talk about James for a little bit today. I wanna to give you the person who wrote the book of James. Before you do that, it's my, I have to say it's my favorite book of, of, the, of the scriptures. I have, uh, I have more uh, single commentaries on the book of James than I do any other book I have in my library. So we wanna talk about the brother of Jesus for just a moment, talk about him being the author of this book. Uh, the traditional view is that the brother of Jesus wrote this book. And I could go into a lot of, a, a lot of detail as to why that is so, uh, but scholars, uh, church fathers on down the line attribute to that. Uh, there are numerous, numerous uh, people named James that are listed in the scripture, but we boil this one down to being the brother of Jesus. Even though there are other theories, uh, it seems like the James, the brother of Jesus, is the front runner. He's the one, if you're looking at a 100-yard dash, he's the one that's in the lead. He's emerging as uh, the author of this. So with that in mind, <clears throat> I often quote James, especially in our discipleship culture, I use James because uh, he has a, a section that says we need, we need to hear the word, but we need to become doers of the word. And he says the doers are blessed and we all start with hearing. Uh, you know, we, we have, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And how are we gonna hear if we don't have a preacher? We, hearing begins our path of surrender, but then the picture is we become doers and I often use James in this description. <clears throat> I just prayed a prayer before I preached this sermon, and it is my prayer. I guess you could call it a signature prayer. Um, I mean it every time I pray it. I don't want to get into a, just a ritual of going through it, but uh, there's, a, there's a segment at the end of the prayer that I pray, uh, and I am reminded that the Lord looks at all of us, but he looks at me differently because I'm a teacher of his word, and I'm his preacher and that there is a great judgment on my life. And that comes from James 3, 1. <clears throat> Let me read it to you. It says, not many should become teachers, James wrote, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. <clears throat> there are people who were wanting to be in church office. They wanted to have that status. And he's warning them to become a teacher means that you're under a greater judgment in your life. So. If, if you frequently hear me pray that, which I always pray it before I preach, 
uh, I, that I'm under a stricter judgment, more a greater judgment more than anyone else. I get it from James chapter three, verse one. I also like it because it's a short book uh, and it's got a lot of punch in it. And I can I can read it, you know, relatively fast. I want to talk about James early on in his life. Uh, he's the half brother of Jesus. And if we mention that he's the half-brother of Jesus, I don't want that to startle you because Jesus was born with a virginal conception. And uh, that is, they share the same mother, but obviously not the same father. So uh, James is an, a half-brother. James, in his uh, early life and, all, and even to in his adult life, was not a believer. Uh, they, uh, some of the family thought Jesus was just a little different uh, I might could use the word weird, and I don't want you to think I'm being irreverent. I'm really coming from the scriptures. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, uh, talk about this, and let, let me read it to you. It says, After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee, since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jewish festival of tabernacles was near. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea so your disciples can see your works uh, that you are doing here. And for no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then verse 5, for not even his brothers believed in him. Uh, There's another one uh, that even gets to where they see him even more differently. And that's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 21. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain Jesus because they said he's out of his mind. So I just, if you think that a lot of his family is just waving the Jesus banner, uh, that the Son of God is living in our family and under our roof, that's not the case uh, that is going on here. They thought Jesus was different. But James became a believer after the resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, we have Jesus who is specifically appearing to James. Paul wrote, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And there is great belief that at this appearing of Jesus after the resurrection to his brother, half-brother, James is where the conversion took place. This is a point where James became a believer. Now I want to stop for just a moment. You've, you've got a brother, you've lived around him and with him. Uh, he's, uh, he's been sentenced, he's been punished, he's been crucified, he's dead, he's in a tomb, and three days later he shows back up. I, I just want you to, to understand that. I know I can see that kind of in a movie production, but can you imagine the, the brother that you saw killed and dead and buried is raised and reappears physically. It's a physical resurrection. And it comes back to the point that he, he is there. And at this appearing is where they believe that uh, there was the surrender of James. We also have, uh, we also have Acts 1.14. Uh, this, is after, this is where the ascension has taken place. The resurrection had happened 40 days ago. Uh, where they've been praying for, or, or 50 days ago, they've been praying for 10 days, so 40 and 10 make 50. And they're in there and they're praying and they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. 
All these were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So we have uh, James' siblings, their mom, in the upper room, and the, they're, waiting, they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come, and they're waiting on his power to come. So I want you to see where he wasn't a believer. I want you to see where he thought his brother was just a little strange. He's out of his mind. Uh, I want you to see the part where Jesus came to him after the resurrection. At this point, he surrenders uh, to Jesus being his Lord, uh, his brother becoming his master and his savior. And then in Acts 14, we have them in the, in the upper room. Uh, I wanna give you some history about the person of, of, uh, of James after his conversion, after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Um, he, he, uh, scripture has it to us that he led the, the church of Jerusalem. Scripture also points out thus, he was the leader of a council of churches, meaning a group of churches and their missional life together. So not only was he involved in one church, but he was involved in the lives of several uh, churches collected together. Two historians have uh, named him, gave him a name, uh, you won't find it in scripture, but it is in written history. They call him James the Just. And they do that because of the holy life that he lived after his conversion. He also has a nickname. His nickname is called O Camel Knees. James was called O Camel Knees. And the reason was because he was a praying man uh, and praying for long periods of time and not only that, it was his posture. His posture was to kneel and to pray. And he prayed so much that his knees were calloused. That you might have calluses on your feet, you may have calluses in the palm of your hands from your work. Uh, his knees were calloused. And they said his knees looked like the knees of an old camel. So his nickname is called Old Camel Knees because uh, he spent long periods of time praying uh, in, in following the Lord. Uh, he was uh, executed because of his faith, and uh, they took him to a pinnacle, believed to be the pinnacle that Satan asked Jesus to climb up there and to fall off and have the angels catch him. And uh, they pushed him, they threw him off the pinnacle, thinking that that fall would kill him. Uh, it didn't. He, uh, he, still, uh, he still was living, and they, they finished him off. They beat him until he passed away. But history tells us from the accounts of those who were there that he died praying just like Jesus. And his prayer right before his death was, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You remember that prayer of our Lord. So the early church would have known that when James writes this letter, he just says, I'm James, James, a slave of God. They, they, would have, they, they would have known this man even by and his connection, all his connection by simply writing, I'm James, I'm just James. So where's the sermon in this? It seems like a history lesson. It seems like a biological or biographical profile. <clears throat> so where's the sermon? Well, it's in 1-1. It's in James 1.1. It's in the salutation. 
back then, when you and I write a letter to each other, we sign it at the end. They didn't do that in this culture. They signed it at the beginning. And so even in this very beginning, we have a sermon and a challenge for all of us that we can see in this one verse. Here it is. James could have name dropped heavily that, hey, you all need to listen to me. I'm the brother of Jesus. He could have done that. He could have established some authority in his life that he's my brother. I lived with him. I I saw him after the resurrection. I converted to him. He doesn't do that. Kent Hughes wrote about this section. He said, uh, he said, James could have pulled rank here, uh, being the brother of Jesus, but he doesn't do it. In James chapter one, he could have mentioned that he was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, which would have been a significant, a significant thing on the resume. Uh, it would, it could be a huge post on the resume that he was the, he was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Even greater was that he led a council of churches together collectively uh, on mission together. He could have put that on his resume. Uh, he, he could have put on there that two historians, for crying out loud, called him James the Just. Or he could have even mentioned, I'm such a praying man, they nicknamed me old camel knees because my knees were calloused and looked like the knees of a camel. He could have branded himself. I know... Uh, Every, every, every newscast I look at, I listen to on the radio in my truck, it comes up with uh, what's called the NIL today in collegiate sports. It's name, image, and likeness. And how some, there's speculation that a quarterback in Alabama has already signed with name, image, and likeness for right at seven figures, a million dollars. We don't know that for sure, but <clears throat> there's a rumor out there about that. Um, I just want to tell you, if anybody could have pulled name, image, and likeness uh, right here, uh, James could have done it. I mean, he absolutely could have done it. Everybody else experienced the Lord that are writers in the New Testament. But I just want to tell you, by golly, James was his brother and uh, lived with him, grew up with him, and watched uh, and even was converted by him. He could have done that but he didn't use any of these elements that I gave you uh, to describe who he was, yet he could have greatly. So what does James do? Here's the sermon. James just says, James, a slave of God. Actually, the word is servant as well. It's the word doulos in the New Testament in the Greek. And uh, it it means that um, I am a servant and a servant always has a master. And he is signifying here that I am a slave. I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying my master, my Lord, my savior is Jesus. Uh, and remember the strong belief is he became, he was converted after the resurrection of Jesus to be, to be recognized as the son of God. He appeared to him. Uh, I, I just want, I want to remind you of something. The resurrection is not only a great event that happened in the life of Jesus, it is central to our faith. The same resurrected Jesus that showed himself to his brother James and led to James' conversion and then his surrender and his connection to the church and the mission of Jesus himself 
It, that same Jesus is the same Jesus of the resurrection <clears throat> that has revealed himself to us, to me and to you. It is central to our faith. We throw around titles all the time. In fact, people go after them. They really want titles. We throw around how we're connected to people all the time. It happens all the time. We name drop thinking that it has significance and that significance is going to equal our importance. We really do love titles. And one thing at Hope Church that I try to lead is just getting a people away from the titles. Remember James wrote in chapter three, verse one, the, the verse that I use in my beginning prayer. A lot of people wanted to hold a church office. They wanted the title, they wanted the position. <clears throat> they wanted the significance that came with it. And he warned them, you need to know that if you become a teacher, you, you are under a stricter judgment of God. You're under a, a greater, greater judgment. And he tells them, so we love these things because we love the importance of it. We love the power that can even come with it. In fact, we even seek Christian celebrity. And I'm just going to be honest with you. When I look at people who have reached Christian celebrity quickly, they can't handle it. Some of them are dropping out of the ministry. Some of them are taking their own lives. Uh, it just becomes a heavy, heavy load. So I'm, I, here's the challenge. Listen, you can, you can earn a doctorate. I have. I earned it, earned, not given. But I, I really, it, I went for the education, not the title. And it's okay if people don't recognize that. I really believe in, in our walk with Christ, the only title that should ever be attributed to our name is that I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, exactly like James gave it here in his letter. Uh, I am a servant. But the, we're, we're, we're not only, I'm, I'm seeking the title of servant, but he wrote this, James wrote this for them then, uh, because the tribes were, were separated, they were divided. And he wrote it for us today that really the greatest title that could ever be done is servant. Remember, when the, we're looking for the commendation of Christ as we meet him face to face. And, and remember what he says to us. We, we long to hear the words, well done, good and faithful. Will you finish it for me? What's the word? Servant. Good and faithful servant. Remember, as we are in the kingdom and we are his disciples, we're not trying to be the best of them, the greatest. We're, we're trying to be last. We really are trying to choose last, which can become a whole other challenge when it comes to it. So what's the sermon? The sermon is drop all the titles, quit looking for importance and significance and power through titles. Um, if any of us that are listening today, and even me speaking, if, if we, we, we wouldn't be able to drop the resume that James could drop. I mean, his resume would have had incredible authority and power when it comes to it. So the sermon is this. Make sure you have surrendered to a resurrected Jesus. Whatever age you are, with James, he was older after the resurrection of his brother, Jesus, who became his Lord. 
what's the sermon? The sermon is surrender. It is, the, it is awesome. He is my Lord, he is my savior. And in the picture of servant, he is my master. And I just want you to know it is an honor, an absolute honor to serve him who has done all that he has done for me, both in this life and the life that is to come. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only title we need. I pray that you wear that today and understand that he is your master. Remember, I love you, we love you. And what do we say to each other before we leave each other? Grace and peace, right? Make sure you live in both of them.